Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Primary school teachers are planning and working towards a reopening of the schools at the end of August, according to the General Secretary of the Irish National Teachers Organisation. John Boyle said the closure of schools on March 12th was the right decision, but that it's time to get our children back to school and get our teachers back in front of them. Mr Boyle told RT's Primetime on Tuesday night that it was an ambitious goal to reopen schools. I don't know how it's that ambitious. At the end of the summer, but that the, it is achievable and there was 11 weeks to plan and prepare for it. Mr Boyle, while he expects primary schools to reopen at the end of August, he couldn't answer whether that would be a full reopening for students. He said they'll definitely weigh up the risk versus the importance of having children in their learning and development. Uh, we are not going to object to schools reopening, but we haven't, have to acknowledge that a primary school sector is somewhat different. He went on to say that children in primary schools stay in the same classroom all day. Uh, they're overcrowded classrooms. That's a challenge. And the fact that they're with adults for so long in the day may be challenging. But at the same time, it's probably easier to keep them apart from the class next door than within the class itself. He's talking about kids social distancing. Five-year-olds, social distancing. We're having a laugh here, aren't we? According to John Boyle, they're planning and working towards the full reopening. And I want to ask you today what you think of a full reopening of schools. Now, last week, Education Minister Joe McHugh said that the full reopening of schools in September is the only option. But kids may only return for one day a week. He revealed that if the two-metre social distancing rule remains, or even possibly one metre in place until September, primary school children will only return for one day. If it's a one metre, it'll probably be two days. Meanwhile, secondary level students will be only allowed to return for two days, maybe three days if it's a one metre for ble- or blended learning, which is kind of half on the internet and half in the school. However, if social distance measures were eased, McHugh says, obviously we could extend those times. Uh, this is still up in the air, but I imagine we'll get, we'll get some clarity from the government very soon, maybe even tonight, you never know. So I want to know what you think. Um, I mean, I'm sure you many of us have kids. Are you sceptical about sending them back to school in August or September? Is that something you're worried about? Or are you one of those people, maybe like me, who goes, sure, let's go, let's run with it. Sure, what more can we do? We can't do any more. Let me know what you think. The number is 0871880008. Are you concerned about sending your kids back to school in September? Uh, I want to speak first if we can to Larissa Nolan, journalist, who joins me on the air. Good afternoon to you, Larissa. Good afternoon, Niall. Thanks for having me on. Good. Well, you had a bit of a conversation on The Tonight Show the other night about it, so I thought this would be an interesting one for you because maybe you didn't get to get all your opinion across there. But in <laughs> That'd relation be rare, to... wouldn't it? Yeah. But it happens, yeah. Are you stricken <laughs> by fear, by the way? Am I stricken by fear in general or in relation to the schools well, or in general uh, to the pandemic? Well, in general to the pandemic, and I suppose in the idea of sending, you know, 70,000 kids back to school again. Yeah, well, I suppose it's, it's right to... Um, there's certain situations uh, where it's right to feel fear, and fear can... Um, you know, can be an important um, emotion or, or whatever. What, I think it is an emotion, but and it can drive you on um, to, to do things one way or the other, right? So that's all grand. But the problem is, is when fear becomes paralyzing and fear starts to paralyze your, your logical brain. Um, so, you know, I suppose I'm trying to keep that balance um, between things. And it has been lost a little bit in certain areas. Uh, certainly, I think when it comes to schools, there's either, either an element of... Um, it may be kind of a fear paralysis that's going on in relation to the blockages that seem to be put in front of uh, the return to schools. By the way, um, every other mm-hmm. country nearly across the world and certainly in Europe have prioritised uh, schools in the reopening phase. Um, we're the only ones who, who where we seem to have, uh, you know, where parents... Well, they did have trouble in the UK with the unions as well, didn't they? Initially at the start, well, actually, the unions were putting up ob- obstacles against it. I mean, because well, social distancing, Larissa, do you think yeah. that can actually work? You know, when you've got little Johnny and Mary at seven years of age and you're telling them to stay away from each other, well, you're probably the best of times to tell them to stay away from each other, <laughs> but, but you're telling them to stay away from each other, do you really think that can work? Well, I think it doesn't have to work, you see, with schools, with children, is, um, is the actual science on it. Now, people um, don't seem to realise this, but, but I'll, say, I'll say two things. When you have the Children's Rights Alliance and you have the National Parents Council urging children to get back to school, you can be kind of fairly assured that uh, the school situation and um, the, 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 say, uh, breaches of um, the social distancing regula- regulations, and when I mean that, I don't mean them climbing on top of each other, and, and sharing each other's sandwiches and, and never washing their hands or anything like that. What I mean is, in the case of children, we can use reasonable protections without going completely... Yeah, we ramp up on hygiene, of course, absolutely. Yeah, in the way we do, they don't, they're not actually, children don't have, thank God, I, I tell you something, I'd be living in a bunker 
and you wouldn't see me. I wouldn't be on the radio saying, let's get schools back if they were in particular danger. The, the, the merciful thing about this whole, uh, 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 the, the, the whole coronavirus is that children are, there is an exceptionalism around it. They're, they're the least infected. They don't, they, they, they don't get it at any rate like adults do. And when they do, it's least, it's, um, it's, uh, asymptomatic. It's, uh, it tends so, to be I mean, asymptomatic, yes. The risk is tiny. Thank God, I'm always saying this, we, we, and I, I, I hope this continues. We haven't had a fatality in that age group, in the 5 to 15. And any group. fatalities in that age group or anywhere under the age of 18 across the world have been children who have had serious underlying conditions, right? So, in other words, they could have been stricken down by any other virus, not just particularly COVID-19. And, of course, we have to remember that they are returning to schools as well, and special provision will have to be made in there. But, but I'm just, Okay, I'm but just, the just, argument, just, I suppose, from the, the, from the teachers is, Larissa, you know, Hold on yeah. for a second. It's not just the kids. It's the yeah. teachers. Now, of course, you know, you've got unions representing teachers and saying, well, look, we don't want our members going back with a risk of, say, maybe they're living with their elderly grandmother and they have to then go in front of kids, you know, who generally, well, look, we all know. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that they're bad people, kids, but but they tend to spread viruses. Well, right they do, except this one, they don't. Yeah, the I, science is that they, they, aren't, they aren't actually spreading this one. They're not, they're, they're not significant transmis- uh, uh, transmitters. If you were to go to work with any other group, you'd be more at risk than going with children. And this one for me is the, the, the bit that really sticks in my craw, to be quite honest with you. Because in any functioning society, children are the priority. In any functioning and fair society. And when I hear teachers putting um, workplace concerns and, and health and safety and work to rule stuff ahead of children's needs, that's where I start getting angry on behalf of the children who have no voice and they need someone to speak up, up for them. For me, that's the worst of uh, bureaucracy which is... Um, well, I, I don't think the next generation, I, I don't think they, the next generation or this generation of children will forgive us for denying them their education if this continues on for too long. They've already missed five months of school. They're going to miss, obviously, three months during the summer now. And the suggestion that we send children back in primary school or secondary school for a day a week and two days for primary school if social yeah. distancing continues, I don't believe is workable. No, it's worse than useless, actually. For parents, it causes more problems than it solves. So you'd be in a situation there, like, for example, I only have one here to get back and forward to school, but I do work full time and I'm self-employed. So so as anyone who's ever worked self-employed, you know, is that you have to make it work because otherwise you don't get paid and the whole thing falls down. There's, there's, we're kind of acting here in, in relation to the conversation around this, that school isn't a key um, a key function in, in, in society. and, and, and in Of course the it is. It's, they're essentially childminders as well. Well, they're, they're, they're certainly allowing a lot of people to get back to work, including myself. I didn't mm. work for five years. I was parenting for the first five, and then I, w- I was able to get back into the workplace. Thank God for the brilliance of teachers and things like after-school clubs and all those sort of things. And an awful lot of people rely on that to keep money coming into the house. I mean, the, the, what, I, what I think is very important, what the French education minister said, if this is what's really important. There'll be people who will say, oh, you're, are, you, are, you, uh, are you advocating putting children in and putting them in danger? What I'm actually advocating is it, there's risk involved in this, in this whole thing here. But what, what has been found scientifically, both in Switzerland and in France, is that children are actually safer in school than they are at home. Because when you take into all the considerations and all the different families and dysfunction and poverty and cultural poverty and all those kind of things, uh, various different problems in, in various different homes, and also just for well-being and routine and development. When you balance all those things up against the tiny risk, thank God there's only been a few hundred children in Ireland in this age range who, who have coronavirus. But when you balance that up uh, together, what you come out with very, very clearly is the risk is tiny, the benefit is immense, and the danger lies in not doing it. And that's why we have to get them back. Do, do, do you believe Joe McHugh is doing a good job? He seems to be bouncing from one side to the other, particularly when it came to the Leaving Cert recently as well. A lot of those students won't thank us for denying them the right to do their Leaving Cert. But anyway, do you think... Yeah. Uh, I believe the Leaving Cert should have been done, by the way. I believe yes, it could have been too. done if they had to try it hard enough. Uh, yes. They just didn't bother. I think there was too much pressure from the other groups out there as well. But do you believe that Joe McHugh is fit for the job? Because he seems to bounce back and forward from one side to the other. I think his intentions are good, but I don't know if he's strong enough to get the job done. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more strength and uh, a little bit more leadership there is required because I have to say, in, in relation to the, the leaving search, you could maybe nearly give him a bit of a leeway on that. I'm the same as you. I think it should have gone ahead. Um, but and I, it's, a, it's a disgrace, really, that it didn't. But um, but at the time, maybe we say, looking, he had to make that decision in March or April. It was actually probably, or it was around that time, I think, always being discussed. It was the, the worst of times. As we know, this is a novel virus. We don't know what's going on. But to stand over uh, and not to completely shoot down um, unions who come up with things like, we will not tolerate a return to school unless social distancing guidelines are, are uh, if, if social distancing guidelines are flouted. That's, that's a clearly 
a ridiculous thing to say. It's it should, it, Teachers should be clamouring to go back to school, not throwing obstacles in their way. And if, if I was the, the education minister, I would be very, very... But they, they, say, they'll say they're not obstacles, back. Larissa. So, you know, school teachers listening yeah. today will say, well, these are genuine fears. These are not obstacles. For example, social distancing guidelines have been set yeah. in place for every other business. And they're saying, well, why not schools? Now, your argument, of course, is that children are the least risk. This is not yeah. a bunch of people in a pub. You know, yeah. the, these are children who, gen- by, by what we've seen from Switzerland, the studies and contact tracing, there is no evidence that a child has spread it to an adult. Yes. But, but in saying that, they don't want to take that chance and they feel well well, why why are the rules different for us as school teachers because we're coming back to the same argument again because children are a different group and even the teacher himself has said uh, they they may look at uh, bespoke um, uh, regulations in in relation in in relation to children but also I would say as well is um, you know parents want to get back to school teachers want to get back to school children want to get back children want to get back to school it seems to me um, it's it's mostly really um, it, it's mostly really the unions that are having problems here. But here's another side. Well, the here. unions will say they represent their teachers. You know what I mean? They so. do, but but often unions, as as anyone who's ever been in one knows, sometimes they go down the the, the kind of work to rule uh, health and safety road a little bit too much, and they go into what I call safetyism, is where you become uh, reluctant to make reasonable trade-offs demanded by more practical concerns. But you know there is also an issue here, and I met a couple of parents this morning. We had to leave books back. Uh, for the end of end of the year in the school, and what what I met a couple of them, and what they were saying was, I'm okay with it. We're okay with it. There is an argument to be had here that teachers can protect themselves at a, at a distance from the students and each other and the parents, all the adult group. But really, when you think about it, whether children are allowed in a group together or not is possibly essentially the decision of their parents. So if the parents are actually happy saying, look, I don't want my children being uh, kind of pathologically divided all day long. You must stay two metres, you must stay two metres, and that I've decided that the psychological fallout of that will be worse than the social fallout. And I'm happy enough if they sit at single desks, if they're washing their hands um, uh, at regular intervals, and if they're, they've got good cough etiquette and they don't come into school sick, I'm happy with that. In my view, if the parents are happy with that, well, then the teachers should be able well, to go Well, well here's another thing, Larissa, right? Every child has a right to an education in the Constitution. I can see there being constitutional challenges in the future if we, if we even suggest they don't go back to school. But anyway, mm. uh, but in relation to kids being sick, so we're being told that in the workplace, if you have any symptoms, and Irish people are great for symptoms, by the way. We love coming into work <laughs> and saying, I'm feeling shit today. But, yeah. but, but in saying that, every child, I mean, I have three kids, and I went through the whole, you know, kind of not to kind of 13 years of age. There's at least one of them constantly sick, right? So the snotty nose noses, coughs and colds <laughs> and kids always just went to school when that happened. You're not, and you know, your kid had come to you in the morning, I don't feel well, you're going to school. Just go, you're go, go. So, I mean, are we going to say that's going to come to an end? Because if that's the case, half the school will be missing, particularly in primary schools every day. Well, I think, Niall, if that's our problem, we'll be very lucky come September because that kind of problem compared to a situation where you have the kids in two and a half days a week and they're supposed to come in at one time and they're staggered learning and then you're going home to do blended learning. That's the real nightmare situation for parents because you might as well just leave work. And, and, what, and, and what about a parent? What about a paranoid parent? And there are a lot of paranoid parents, and, yeah. and maybe some of them understandably, um, who may have, you know, somebody, maybe they're living with grandmam and she's not well, or maybe they're living with somebody in the house who's vulnerable or maybe has a compromised immune system, and they yeah. say, I'm not sending my child back to school. Where, where do they stand legally? Do you believe they have, because at the moment you legally don't have a right to deny your child an education. You have to send them to school. You can only miss whatever, 26 days of the year. So, yeah. I mean, where do they stand? Can they legally say, no, I want my child to learn at home? Well, I wonder what, where, where that is. That's actually a very good question because of the irony of all this, of course, when the schools closed down on March the 12th, they were only supposed to do it as a short-term measure in order to flatten the curve and save the hospitals. Yeah. And then suddenly, it, 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 like children have gone to school through wars and, uh, and through the Cuban Missile Crisis, and yet we're still here going into June um, and we're talking about uh, September possibly not opening, which is ludicrous uh, in, in, my, in my opinion. But, um, it, you know, when you think of that before that, if we'd, if you'd been any extended days off, you'd be prosecuted. And yes, here we, here we are with this big lengthy, uh, lengthy time off school. So I presume um, that once the schools are back, uh, they're back. And that I, I, along, I can't imagine how there would be any leeway there to say, look, I have um, some sort of um, anxiety disorder, which, which kind of nearly would be when you look at all the science yeah. um, around my child. Because if you start trying to save everything. What happens is, uh, you know, if you start getting th- that level of safetyism, I'm going to try and shut down this danger. Another danger will pop up somewhere else. Of course, you know, yeah. So, you know, you can, you, you maybe the child doesn't go in and then they don't get a proper education and then that affects, you know, obviously affects their, their life. So I, I suppose the answer to that really would be 
if they're back, they're back. That's the the way I would understand it. And and, and you got to abide by the law. The law should should be the same. In other words, you have to send a child to school. It should be. And, you can't and if you, if you, you have, have, you have a if you have a personal you know? circumstance, that's up to you at home to sort that one out and figure out how you're going to do that. I would imagine if there's actually um, now it would only be fair if there's children in the house with um, you know underlying conditions or. Uh, other issues like that, that mm. they will be dealt with separately. But I mean, the main point is, let's get to September with the attitude. And I'm glad to hear John Boyle there seemed to have a, a far more uh, positive and, th- and enthusiastic. He actually sounded like somebody who wanted to get back into the classroom, which I believe most teachers do, by the way, especially at the primary school level. Well, well, mind you, m- well, mind you, he is still saying at the same time, uh, it's, po- it's probably easier to keep them apart from the class next door. And even within the class, it may be easier. So, but he, so he is suggesting still there may be social distancing in the classroom. He is... C- still pandering well, to all this. Once, once they're reasonable, um, you know, what I think is if we get to the situation, I don't know if, if you were the same in school, but my school in the 80s, we had a desk that was attached to a chair and I remember the old inkwells were still in it. But the inkwells. I used to fill, I was the lick of the class. I was always asked every morning to fill the inkwells because we, Larissa, I know that makes, makes me sound really old, but when I, I was know, in school, we didn't have pens. We had, well, we had, like it was a wooden stick that you put a nib on and you dipped it in the ink. Well, that's amazing. Now, I haven't met anyone yet who, 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 still ha- who still had that. And people think I'm old, Niall, for saying that when I started in journalism, it was the black screen on the white, ty- uh, the, the white type on the black screen on a computer, like that old... That very computers? Old computer. We didn't have computers when I started work. We used <laughs> oh, well, typewriters. Was, yeah. Oh, you got in. I just Typewriters had just ended uh, when I came in in the mid-90s in, in journalism. But I, sir, I didn't get the, the ink uh, pens, which I would have loved, by the way. But what I particularly loved, actually was, um, as a child, he wasn't particularly um, uh, enjoyed other children, kind of physical touch of other children, which lots of them don't, mm. um, is, is I enjoyed the separateness of the desk and, and the chair. We were kept apart. Um, you know, that, that's a very... In those days, wasn't there two kids per desk? It was well, two well, kids maybe, per know, desk, I went, wasn't I, it? I went to a, I went to a, a country school, right? So maybe there was... Ah, we were in Ireland. Left. You were denied that bit of physical contact <laughs> because the nuns <laughs> were looking after it. <laughs> I, I seem to remember being in one in my own, right? So right. If, 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 if it's possible to just put a single desk, I know it, all these things are going to cost money and everything and a lot of organisation, but I would think single desks, uh, children coming in, um, make, as I was saying earlier on, making sure they're not sick, making sure they're coughing, making sure they're hand washing, all those things, um, you know, they're already in place. We've all changed behaviours. In fact, children are particularly good at it. They've just adapted in ways that I think most of us couldn't understand. But th- certainly when you look out now, um, all, all the parents are bringing their children to the park to get them some interaction with other children. Well, I was going to say that to you when we come, and, and sorry, I'm running out of time, but when it comes to secondary schools, which we haven't really talked about too much, when it comes to teenagers, the only social distancing I'm seeing out in local parks and, and driving around is a two-inch social distance. Yeah, so, yeah. so they, they, if they don't really give a damn about it without in the public, I don't know why we're so concerned about them going back to school. No, I know. And I mean, like this, 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 uh, this idea that they're not already doing it themselves. And I'm actually glad that they are because yeah. one, one, of the, one, of the, one of the arguments that you could say is oh well maybe the children didn't get it because the schools shut down which isn't the case because we've seen uh, reports from all across Europe uh, schools returning with absolutely no problem and both HEQA and the World Health Organization have said it's completely it's reassuring it's fine it's, it's no problem but the, the one thing that would prove that it, it, it seems to be on, that there's, uh, they have some high level of immunity up to a certain age uh, and through, you know from uh, primary through to maybe teenage years Mm-hmm. And I think that proves that the fact that we see them every day out in parks, rolling around with each other. And they're not, and they're not dropping like flies, thankfully. No, exactly. Yeah. And also people who are back, the brilliant people, the guards came back and, and we see how much they do, they do for us yeah. uh, in this country and how much risk they t- take. That'd be like the guards saying, the teacher's saying we're not going back. We need 100%. We need to be absolutely sure that all our members are safe. That's not possible in a pandemic. Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Because, and you, you bring up a really good point there in relation to Garda Shea I haven't heard the guards or the unions or the, the Garda Representative Association saying... We want all guards wearing something, you know, that yeah. keeps them away from the passenger or the driver of a car when they were, you know, asking them what speed they were doing. They've never done that They've, because they, they accept they're a different group. Yeah, uh, and it's a vocation, actually, and the teachers are a vocation. And, and I mean, I think that they will put, the, most teachers I know will put the, ch- the children be, uh, first more than anything else. But you see the guards, they had to go around the place at the height of this pandemic with fellows spitting at them. I know, yeah. Arrest people. They didn't and say, by the way, somebody, somebody did point out... <laughs> and the journal.ie recently in relation to that there obviously hasn't been thankfully a member of Vanguard O'Connor that has died of COVID-19 and somebody said I believe the uniform is like a vaccine <laughs> <laughs> listen thank you very much indeed Larissa Nolan journalist thanks okay. for coming on the air appreciate thank it alright let me go to Brian as well Brian you're on Classic Kids how you doing Brian how are you getting on Brian uh, you won't be sending your child back to school if it's only for one day yeah I'm <laughs> I don't see the point like I mean no neither do I what are, they, what are they going to learn in one day like that they couldn't do at home well, the thing is, like, I mean, 
for me, with my small lady, like, like to get her to do homework at home for her, for for me, you know, or my wife, like, it's a lot different than getting her to do homework for a teacher. Like, I mean, the, the teachers obviously are able to discipline them. Uh, yeah, they have more authority way. when it comes to academia. Yeah, like, yeah of so course. I mean, yeah, like when she's at home now and she's doing homework with us. Like, I mean, if she's finding it a small bit hard, or if she's finding it hard, aka she doesn't want to do it. <laughs> like she'll she'll start kicking up like so she'll start crying and then at the end of it you're like ever look just put it away because <laughs> yeah because you're driving me mad like. yeah I know you know so I mean I I don't see the point no I can see the point in sending her to school maybe for the day for her to to, to to interact with the kids and stuff like that but as far as learning and doing homework and all that crack. I think it's a waste of time, like because they're, they're not going to learn from it. And what do you what do you say to people or teachers who say, "Well, hold on for a second, you know, every other industry has guidelines and social distancing." Although you heard there is a saying that children are a different category, of course, because according to the WHO, they don't spread the virus or they don't believe they do. So, I mean, what do you say to teachers and parents who are still a little bit jumpy about the whole thing and they're going, oh, "I don't know if I want to be mixing with a load of kids who are running well, around I mean, hugging each other." Like I can understand, like you, you can understand some parents like that, like because like that they might have underlying problems and stuff like that. I mean, like I can understand parents like that because look, if, if you have a parent or if one of the children or have grandparents or has a parent that that's sick, like of course their heart is going to be in their mouth. Like, like I mean, even though nothing might happen, but like I mean, they have the underlying problem. Like, like. They're going to be afraid of it. That's just. But but if you but yeah, but if you have a child, uh, you know, with respect to has an underlying problem, or you have a family member with a serious underlying problem, say for example CF, which would be a respiratory problem. I mean, you're conscious before even COVID nineteen came along. You would have had to have been very conscious of that if one of if a family member comes in with symptoms of a flu, maybe because that could be lethal for somebody with CF. Or if you have an elderly person in the house, you know, who has underlying conditions. I would imagine before COVID-19, unless you became complacent, you were conscious of all those things anyway. Oh, you were, but I mean, you were, but no, it's, it's gone to the stage where you were conscious of all those things, but like you've been told now, like that you could actually die, die from it. Like, I mean, that probably wasn't said, that probably wasn't said before the COVID-19 came in. Like, it was just when, that, when, like, in what respect? In what respect? You can, when, you, when you say you can die, die, that's a very Irish thing to say. It's like you're going out, out. When you say you can die, die, from, what, what, what do you mean? I mean, we kind of know that, but it, thank, I, I was going to say thankfully, but that's the wrong words to use. Uh, thankfully for the general population, sadly for an individual group, of course, this virus is quite ageist and seems to pick on elderly people, sadly. Yeah. So, I mean, in saying that, is, when, when you say you're going to die, die, I mean, for, for kids going to school, there, there, there doesn't seem to be any risk whatsoever. Well, no, like, but I mean, what, what I would think, what I think should happen there is, like, if, if, if it's a thing that there's going to be, you know, a big hullabaloo about it, what they should do is, like, put, the, so put junior infants in a, in a classroom together, put senior infants in the classroom together, instead of, instead of having a 10 o'clock break and they're all out in the playground and you're trying to keep them all away from each other, they're all inside the classroom with each other, Anyway, and they're going to be keeping their 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 meter apart or whatever. Are they, are, they really, are they really going to be keeping their meter apart, Brian? Well, no, they're not. Well, well, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, but would you? That, that, but I mean, would you insist on that, or do you think that's? Well, I, I I genuinely wouldn't. Like, I mean, no, okay. me personally wouldn't. Like, but we'll just say we'll just say for, for argument's sake that's what's going to happen. So we'll okay. just say that's what's going to happen. I mean, get the junior infants in out for their ten o'clock break at nine o'clock. Then at half past nine, quarter ten, have the, the senior infants out. Don't have the whole school out. So in the words, stagger the stagger all the breaks. Yeah, exactly. Because like okay, okay. I, you know, I understand. I understand what you're saying, and it makes sense. But it's a bit of a logistical nightmare. You well, know, I know, but like, yeah. I mean, into the nightmare having them to go to school one day a week as well, like. Well, well, I don't. That's I don't believe. According to the unions, that's a possibility. But and Joe McHugh, but I don't believe that's an option at all. Uh, well, I, I can't see the point in anyway, especially for especially for five and six year olds when they're when they're going to school and they're learning how to write and read and the whole lot. Maybe it might be different for a, a six and six or a fourth because they've got the mentality that like, oh, I'll have to do my homework. Fair enough. But I mean, like for children that are learning how to yeah. write. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Primary school is important, very important. It sets a foundation for education. But I do believe what I'm really concerned about is children who are now going into junior cert or leaving cert year. Um, and we cannot, we cannot be denying them their education. Brian, thanks for that. I've got to take a break. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 087 Are you advocating just sending kids back to school and getting on with it without any social distancing? Yes, that's what I'm advocating. That's exactly what I'm advocating. That's what Larissa was advocating.
But of course, Joe McHugh has said, well, look, I don't believe, personally speaking, Joe McHugh is strong enough to be the Minister for Education at this particular time. I think he's bouncing back and forward like a yo-yo. Um, and I also believe that he's pandering too much to the unions. He is the Minister for Education. He has a responsibility under the constitution of this country to make sure that every child has a decent education. And they're not going to thank him for this. Particularly those children who are in very vital years, like junior and leaving cert. They cannot be missing more school. This is academia. They need it for their careers and for their futures. Those kids who missed out on their leaving cert, many of them will do fine because they'll get a good grade. Others out there will believe they're being hard done by. You do know there are, and many of them are already planning probably to sue the state. They should have done the leaving cert. We should have come up with a better plan. We knew this was happening back in March. We now know this is happening again. We have 11 weeks to sort this out. And I don't believe there's any sorting out to be done. I believe just let them go back to school. The evidence is clearly there for many countries across the world that children pose no risk to adults when it comes to COVID-19. There is no evidence of true contact tracing of any child passing it on to an adult. No evidence of it. So why are we making... When we make decisions around COVID-19, or indeed any virus or pandemic or any disease, we make it based on science. There is no science, or certainly there doesn't seem to be, to give us any reason why kids cannot go back to school. The only science, I believe at the moment, is paranoia. I have an interesting question that I want to kind of fling out there because a lot of people have said this to me because, as we know, a lot of people have been out of work for two and three months depending on which sector you happen to be in. Uh, for example, if you're a barman or a hairdresser, you're not going back till the end of this month or next month, maybe, for example, cinemas, maybe the month after, etc. shops last week. So you've been off for two months. So you go back to work, and that's it, you're grand, you're back in work again, and you say to your boss, uh, I'm going away on holidays in August, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, 21 days, whatever you're entitled to. And your boss turns and says, well, no, you're not. You've already had three months holidays. What are you looking for? Now, your employer didn't pay you for that time off. They didn't pay you. The government paid your COVID payment. So my thinking from a legal perspective, and I don't want to piss in everyone's parade here, specifically if you're an employer, that you're still entitled to your holidays. Maybe I'm wrong, and if somebody knows the employment law better than I do, uh, I believe you're still entitled to your 21 days, you're still entitled to your paid bank holidays, etc., etc. I believe you're still entitled to it. Because the fact that you were off for three months or two months or whatever case it happens to be, through no fault of your own, it wasn't like you decided to take that time off or you were sick or whatever. It was because the government told your business to close. Because there was a whole thing, wasn't there, going back a few years ago, that if your employer closed for a period of time and said to you, you have to take your holidays at that time. It didn't constitute as holiday time. In other words, you could take another week some other time because your employer can't tell you. They can advise or they can ask. And I know a lot of employers have been asking people, for example, who are currently still in work and throughout the pandemic, say particularly in radio and media and newspapers or whatever it is, listen, can you take a week's holiday because we don't want everybody get, you know, taking their holidays in September when all this ends at the same time. And I can understand that. But in saying that, if you have been in that situation, maybe if somebody could send me in a text, maybe give me a bit of feedback on that. Maybe you've been in that situation. So you've been out of work for two or three months. You go back. Are you still entitled to your holidays? Legally, I would imagine you are. Uh, let me know what you think. The number is 087 Let me get back to the schools because, Joe, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Joe? Hi, Niall. Hey, we'll be talking about the hairdressers later, Joe, by the way. Yeah, hairdressers. I don't care about hairdressers. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about them later. I'm just thinking all the women listening today. We'll be talking about the hairdressers later. <laughs> My hairdresser leaves two ho- two houses down. Oh, so she's doing nixers. She's doing nixers, is she? No. On the black market. <laughs> no, no. But I'm here to rant about schools and the Department of Education and special needs schools. And no one gives one rat's ass about it. Okay, so you've got a child with special needs. I have a child with special needs. Does he have an SNA in school? He does. Okay, so he's missing out not to, because it's easier for a child with no he's problems. He's missing yeah. out everything. Yeah. Our kids are missing out everything. Therapies, appointments with doctors, essential appointments with doctors, essential therapies. Uh, some of them, there are based in school. My son's school was trying to get through to the Department of Education because of July provision. Because July provision can be uh, home or school-based 40 hours that are given by the Department of Education for the kids during summer. My son's school was trying to contact the Department of Education for God knows how long 
for them to be clear about guidelines so they could provide July provision for our kids in school and, you know, get all the health and safety mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And they installed tables outside and these amazing cocoons for all the kids uh, already thinking about social distancing. And unfortunately, because the Department of Education is not forthcoming, doesn't matter how many times they try to contact them. They didn't really engage. Our kids are going to suffer because we're not going to be able, the school is not going to be able to deliver July provision for us. There's no plan for September. There's no plan for anything because no one talks about our kids. It's all, oh, poor secondary kids. Oh, at home, they can go to school. What about our kids? What about our therapy, uh, the therapists for our kids? What about our kids regressing? So our kids don't have a right to education either? And I know, and I know a lot of parents out there in a similar situation to yourself are missing out on respite as well, uh, which yeah, is not available this year. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, no, I, I do understand that. And and those kids, particularly children with autism or children with special needs, they're missing out a little bit more than other kids because it's easy for other. Well, I say it's easy. A lot of kids can get, you know, they can get a handle on the whole online thing. They can and they can work on their own and they can, but. If you've got a kids with with autism who needs that assistance all the time, they and fall parents, back. They fall back further. They fall back further. Needs home assistance. There's no speech and language. There's no OT. There's nothing. My kid needed to go to the psychiatrist. They do phone calls. What what is a phone call good to me? Okay, no, I get it. And I, and I know Leo Riker did mention something last week in relation to setting up something during the summer for children with special needs. Maybe he'll address that tonight, Joe, when, we, when he comes on the television, maybe. Uh, Dave, you're on Classic Kids. Thanks for that, Joe. Dave? Hi, Paul. Uh, Dave, you can't wait for the kids to go back to school. Um, yeah, I know, that's not terrible. Really. No, it doesn't um, sound terrible. No. It's You're being honest. No, no, I don't mean that in a bad way, and I don't mean that in a, like... You, you do know, mean it, I'll just be honest. You, you, you just no, I, you want to see the back of them no, every now and again. No, it's, <laughs> I know, it's, just, it's the routine. You know, oh, no, geez, I, I'm quite happy to have my uncle at home. He's, there's no hassle out of him at all at all. But right. it's just to, to get him back to school, get him back into routine, you know, yep. get some semblance of normality back into his life. Yeah. No. Well, well, it is. I mean, kids need schedules. They need routine. They need that environment because it. Do, you know, they don't learn otherwise. You know what I mean? They just don't. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know I have to say, my uncle's school and my uncle's teacher, in particular, have been absolutely amazing. They've gone above and beyond to help and to facilitate the parents in any way, shape, or form they need. I mean, his teacher called down yesterday to the house with a little poem printed out in a card, a packet of crisps and some jellies, and a earring for him. And a keyring had like a little, um, like a little glass vial with a, a note on the inside of it, and it was all covered in gold flakes. You know, so like mm-hmm. they're 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 absolutely fantastic. You know, they really are. Um, but at, at the same time, trying to do learning at home with them, you know, it's not a school environment. So you know, they're more likely to kind of space out, or you know, they're more prone to maybe not put in as much effort because they're not in that like learning environment. And a lot of parents will say, you know, it depends on the child, of course. Their kids are better behaved in school uh, because they figure, I suppose, the authority of school, you know, makes them want to do things. And if also their oh, peers course, are yeah. around them, they don't want to misbehave in front of their peers. Whereas their mom and dad, they can just, you know, start crying if they don't want to do it. You know, so it's, it's a kind of different oh, environment. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I find mothers are a hell of a lot better at the whole uh, learning from home. Ah, yeah, look, we've got to give the women credit for this one. You know, they are better. No, they, they are. They have a hell of a lot more patience than, than fellas do. You know, yeah, like, I, I mean, but, but some fathers are are really good too you know and, and you know I mean I, I went through it a lot with my own son when he was very very young he had, very, he had some difficulties and I mm. spent a lot of time with him every single day for two or three hours oh, of course well, I, I, I actually had to teach him how to spell again because he couldn't spell phonetically so which is oh, the, okay. they use phonics nowadays since 1982 yeah. so I had to put this piece of string seven foot on the wall with a bit of ribbon in the middle of it and teach him how to spell, uh, to spell visually which is what we learned when I was young in school we, we learned oh. it's called coastline spelling but so if anybody is any issue with the child learning spell use the thing do a bit of research it's called coastline spelling and it's where you visualise the word yeah yeah because everybody does it do you ever ever notice when you write something down that you're kind of confused about how to spell you write it down and you look at it and you go nah it doesn't look right so we know what a word looks like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it's like when you learn the word, then you're you're actually your brain is just looking at the first and the last letters. 
Yeah, we look at the outline of the shape of the word. Yeah, that's what yeah, we're looking at. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Just that's cool. Yeah, no, it, with us it was phonetically. So you say phonetically in your head and then you write it out. That's how I learned it. Yeah, but the problem with the English language is, is that, you know, something like, I think it's 22% of it uh, is not phonetically spelt. So that, that's the oh, problem. Yeah. You know, when you got words like night, you know, how do you work that one out? All right. Yeah, but listen. Dave, I, I'm, I'm really wish for time today, but I, I get the point that you're making, absolutely, and I completely agree. I think some kids are better than others, at, by the way, at learning at home. Um, we've got a couple of messages coming in here, by the way. One about the holiday entitlements. As far as I know, you get a certain percentage of holidays based on the number of days that you work. So mm-hmm. you will lose X amount of days for the days that you were paid on the COVID. Yeah, naturally, you will lose a day and a half for every month that you haven't been in work if you're full-time. That's the way it works, 10 hours. Uh, holiday pay, that's how you accrue your holiday pay. But that doesn't mean you're not entitled to take your holidays. You just miss out on those days, possibly. But there may be an exception to that rule from a legal point of view because it's not your fault that you missed the days. It was the government's fault. So I don't know. This is going to be very complicated for a lot of businesses. But I do believe you're still entitled to take your holidays. That three months that you've been missing, which will amount to four and a half or, sorry, uh, three and a half, in the four and a half days, uh, in total out of your 21 days that you've lost in pay, you should be able to take it at your own expense. And somebody says, no, I was off for three months and my boss now wants to buy our holidays off us. And yes, I know companies are doing that. So if you're still entitled to your holidays, which you are, um, your boss could turn around and say, well, listen, I'll pay your holiday pay. Can you come in? Because I don't want you going away uh, because obviously we've only got a certain amount of portion of the year left. Yes, your boss could do that if you agree to it. Also, for those people who are saying, for example, um, if a boss said to you at the start of the pandemic, listen, can you take your holidays now to accommodate us? I'm going to get anyone to take the holidays. If you agreed to that and you got paid for holidays and didn't get a COVID payment at that point, um, well, then that's your holidays gone. But if you went out of work, from the day you went out of work, you got a COVID payment then you weren't on holidays. You were on a COVID payment. Completely different thing altogether. You're still entitled to your holidays. All right. Um, again, if you've missed out on three months, I don't know how the law is going to work around this. And I'm sure there's going to be a few challenges. For every month that you've been off, you lose a day and a half. I think it's 10 hours of holiday pay. That doesn't mean you can't take that time off. So if you're due two weeks, for example, holidays, um, four and a half of those days you won't get paid for because you weren't there for three months. So again, you're going to have to talk to your employer. But I think the best thing to, for everybody is to be understanding in these situations because your boss is losing out as well. So particularly if you're in a smaller company, you know, play ball with the boss and, and, and do what's best for your company. Company and for you as well. Uh, but make sure, of course, you get your rights and your entitlements because that's the law. Uh, Sinead, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Sinead? Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Good. Um, sh- go ahead. That's good. I was just calling up actually just about the last topic about um, special needs and, um, you know, lack of health or support. Yeah. And I, 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 do you, is, is there still supports out there? Because somebody did send me in a text in relation to that and they're booked in for July. Let me just say, I got I find it here. Yeah, yeah, they said there's a yeah. This is on the desk on the desk website. Yeah. So um, we actually, I actually have a beautiful daughter here sitting beside me, Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Hi. Hi, so, Sophie. Hi. How are you? Sophie's nine and she has Down syndrome. But um, we actually, for the first time this year, so July provision is available for people, as you know, with special needs or with autism and and people with Down syndrome were never included. So because of the pandemic, we're very lucky this year, um, you know, and there was a big kind of campaign for it and it was rejected for years. And this year we're entitled to July provision, which I'm so excited about. Okay. But it's such a palaver when you, when you, uh, to apply for it, there's, there's no guidelines for it. Um, you know, it was just—it was, was just announced. <laughs> I can hear, I can hear it in the background. Yeah. yeah by, by the way, if we, okay. If people want an, uh, information on that you can go to www.gov.ie forward slash summer summer provision. Um, that's where it is. That's where the link for that yeah. is. Yeah, it is. But like, so it was just announced that we could uh, we were entitled to. But it's when you actually look into it, a lot, a lot of my pals are applying for it just because they want to the government to know that there's a demand. But they they don't have time to do what they've got to do. Like you to start, you to find if the school's not on board, which most of them aren't, to find your own tutor, they have to fill out like a really extensive form. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's signed by the school. You have to fill out your own. Uh, they have to have guard of vetting. So it's it's a big thing. Like it's a great facility okay. if it works and if you get it. But it's just all the work that has to go into it. I know. Um, 
you know, but it, I mean... It's and what about, what about kind of social distancing and all that kind of stuff? And yeah, well, are, you, are you concerned about that, Sinead? You know, when, when everything yeah. kind of goes back for Sophie, are you concerned about that or does that, are you bothered by that at all? Yes, if you were to look at it, she would come under the vulnerable community. Okay, but so I didn't know. So are Down syndrome considered to be vulnerable with COVID-19? Yeah. Well, it could be because, um, you know, a lot of people with Down syndrome would have heart conditions. Oh, okay, or, okay. Uh, respiratory problems. Um, but thankfully, we're not seeing any kind of spread amongst a young community you know, anyway. So, I mean, thankfully, that's that's the situation. So, uh, so I'm not too concerned. And in my particular case, actually, very luckily, Sophie doesn't have those conditions. So, But I would, would still prefer her to be, you know like in distance with with her tutor or whatever. Yeah, well, well, well hang on, do me a favour, because I, w- I want to go to news, but before I go to news, I just want to go to Linda as well, because she's waiting ages there. Unfortunately, I've only got a minute and a half left. Uh, sorry, Hi, Linda, uh, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Linda? Hi, Niall. Um, I can resonate everything that lady's saying there. I'm an SNA. I work in a primary school. We have two units, um, 10 SNAs. Um, should I provision the joke? Joe McHugh is, yeah. he, he's living in a different planet. He is just, he wants to send SNAs to the slaughter by sending us to nursing homes, which is in our profession. Right. And, now, and why does he want to send you to nursing homes? This was his new, his thing when, when COVID happened, he thought... Yeah. He wanted to bring in the troops, so to speak. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, troops with no training to work with the healthcare, you know, right, uh, okay. worker. Now what he's doing is, he's him and Leo have decided, oh, well, let's do July provision. Great in theory. In reality, myself and my SNA colleagues, as that lady saying, there's a massive form. They're not offered insurance for us to go into people's homes if something happens. There's no You're social distancing. Until November, which is yeah, shocking. we're not paid till November exactly. You're not going to get paid till November. You don't get paid till November. This is July provision. Oh, stop. And also, can I just say, SNAs and teachers are on par. We do the exact same thing in July provision. Most SNAs um, have level 7 and 8, the same as myself. Yeah, we get paid half of what a teacher is paid for July provision. We, we were actually talking about this earlier on myself and Alina before we come on the air. We were talking about SNAs versus teachers and why SNAs get paid so much less than teachers. Yeah. Now, I understand teachers do go to college for a long time and the SNA course yeah. is obviously a lot shorter. I understand that. Yeah. But essentially doing the same job. Hang on, Sinead, for a second. Just let, let Linda finish what she wants to say. Sorry, Linda, go a ahead. Lot of, a lot of my colleagues are, are teachers. We all get on great. And they will tell you they cannot operate a mainstream class with children with special needs without an SNA. I, unfortunately, Sinead had to go there. But, I mean, this yep. just seems like they just rebranded what was already there in the first place and they're just not going to pay it in November. Uh, and, yep. like, Joe McHugh doesn't seem to have any guidance okay. here at all. No, he... Basically, as I said, now I hope that, you know, parents are appreciative of our work, principals, etc. I hope now Joe McHugh and the rest of the government realise the work that SNAs do. Uh, myself, and I can speak for my 10 colleagues, we wish we were with the boys. We wish we were with the children that we work with. But Joe McHugh has made our lives hell since March, basically, because they said, you're being redeployed. You're going to a nursing home. Then we were redeployed to the HSE. Then we were told... And what were you doing in the HSE? Contact tracing and stuff? Basically, you could do contact tracing or they were they were meant to sign us up with children that we could work with. Then okay. they told us no. Then our union force... It, it was back and forth. But basically, all through it, no SNA... No SNA that I know didn't want to not work. We wanted to work with children. And how old we are the children you were working with, Linda? Um, so I worked with fourth class primarily, nine and ten. Okay. And the rest of my day was with preschoolers in on the autism. Spectrum. And are you, are you happy to go back working with you know fourth classers yeah. again? Yeah, I mean you Absolutely. don't believe there's any risk have, to you. No, no, I don't. Joe or Joe Joe McHugh. Here we go. <laughs> don't insult um, me. <laughs> I, I don't. I. Do you know what? I take the risk now, but there's no risk with children. No, I don't care no what risk. anybody says. No, there, no there, there doesn't seem to be any risk at all. I mean, I I have to. We I change nappies. We change feeding pegs. Things like that. None of that, I am, you know, I don't feel I'm a risk. Those children aren't a risk to me. But they've left those children. And like children... That I and what are, what are your unions saying to you? Your, are your unions suggesting that you can't go back to work unless there's insurance in no, place, unless there's PPE I, in for, place? And first, I will say, have, have been good. Um, the only thing that they've come out lately is by saying that when the department released the, the July provision information, they never consulted, um, they never had consultation about air pay. So when that document came out, they'd never approached their union to say that 
oh, this is the pay. They just threw it out there. So a primary school teacher is getting paid 38, 33 an hour for July provision. An SNA after 2011 is getting paid 50 and 50 for the same job. Well, I'm, re- I'm going to read out a text for you. Now, you can defend yourself in this text. I'll, I'll help yeah. you defend yourself if you want to. Uh, they most definitely don't do the same job, Nyla, and certainly don't have the same qualifications. Hence, the pay is a lot less. A teacher is a teacher that teaches a multitude of subjects. An SNA is an assistant, not a teacher. They assist the child with special needs in the school. Mm-hmm. In July, yes, ordinarily, you're 100% stand and teach in the class, grant which, by the way, a lot of SNAs do, which, by the way, we supervise, we do yard duty, we do all those things. Yes, we don't spend four years in the same path, but for July provision, we do the same job. So if I throw myself out there and say, I'll do July provision, I am doing the same job a teacher is going to do because a teacher or an SNA can provide July provision. So if I was to do it, I am tutoring somebody and I am helping that child with special needs the same way you teach Yeah, because you're teaching the child during July provision, you're teaching them social skills more so than academia. Yeah, like going to a shop with a child, um, social stories about the whole thing. So it it is the same. 100% appreciate it. I mean, 28 children in a class, that's no joke. Yeah. Um, But... You just want a fair playing field is what you want. We want a fair playing field and we want our profession to be recognised like a teacher. I mean, any teacher I've worked, I've been very lucky, I've now I've worked with fantastic teachers who cannot keep a mainstream class going when there's children with needs. No, because because of course they distract, they can distract other children absolutely. and distract the class. Yes, you know absolutely. And it, Joe, like it's actually really if if that was if the teachers had been treated the way the SNAs have been treated during this COVID emergency, they'd be on strike. Yeah, and they would. And you know, so him, remind me again. So okay, so remind me again during the July provision. How much do you get? What is it per hour? If you were an SNA pre-2011, you'll get 1677. An SNA after 20, uh, 2011, you'll get paid 1550. So it's half of what uh, a qualified primary school teacher is. Even now, though you're again, doing exactly the same job. You're doing the same job for, for July. For That's instance. ridiculous, yes, in yeah. in the classroom it's different, 100% agree. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do that job. Yeah, in the I'm school setting, talking. you're not referring to the school setting. No, yes, of I'm course. I'm July provision. Yeah. Because I've ha- I have both friends colleagues and teachers who we, we have all said it is the same during July provision. And um, by the way, in relation to going back to work, when when do you think you're starting back again? Um, from speaking to my principal, um, Air School have been fantastic. Um, my principal is amazing. We SNAs and teachers, it's a level playing field. It doesn't matter whether you're the cleaner in the school, you get treated the same way teachers, SNAs. Mm, it's good to hear. That kind of yeah. crap, you know. But um, we got told the other day what classes we'll have and we will be back to school in September. We're not sure how that we have to wait and see. Yeah, they're not, I, I, you don't, I'm assuming you mean they're probably not going to be social distancing kids no. at no, that age. It, it, I, I don't, I, I don't I, think it's I'm even possible. Working in, um, I'm going to be working with uh, preschoolers so, um, who all are on the autism spectrum disorder and I will be with them for five days or, you know, a full week, and I don't... It's impossible. The children that I work with, um, they could lash out, they could need time in the sensory room. You can't, when you're working with a child especially, it's impossible. I can't be two metres apart from someone. No, you, like, you're not. She's able to complicate it completely. You wouldn't be able to... And also changing... Yeah, there's the whole thing of changing nappies, um, peg feet, and all those sort of things. You cannot do that from two metres apart. No, fair play to you. I wouldn't be certainly able to do it. And I wouldn't. I think it's a vocation more than anything else, to be honest it with you. Is, and you yeah. know, that's... You know what, now that's the hurtful thing. You don't become an SNA for the pay, let me tell you. No. You, you do it because of the you do love because you care. children. Yeah. Like, I honestly, Niall, I, I work in a desk school, Niall, and from when I heard that we were shutting down, I couldn't, I for a week, I couldn't see properly because I was worried about the children. I was worried about how it would affect them, how they'll, they'll regress backwards after coming so far on. Yeah. Then the government just left them to it. And I honestly believe Joe McHugh with this July provision, he just threw it out there and he knows SNAs won't sign up because nothing's very clear. And then he'll be able to go on television and say, oh, only seven SNAs signed up. But you know what? What I can understand is the Minister of Education of this country uh, for the last God knows how many years has had very little to do with the greatest respect because education system tends to run itself apart from the odd strike every now and again for pay. But at the one time when he's really needed, I think, you know, I'm going to just say it, I think he's failed miserably. 
They leave in search. Absolutely no reason why they couldn't have gone ahead. But, well, no, they didn't, they didn't because they left it too late to sort it out. That's why it didn't go ahead. Left it too late. Yeah. He's doing, he wants to be able to stand up at the bottom of the step with Leo and say, oh, only seven SNAs signed up. Oh, it's the SNAs' fault. And he wants the parents to turn on us because we're not signing up to do it. But any parent I've spoken to understands the plight of SNAs. We want to do it. We've wanted to work with your kids. We would have done everything since March to help, and we weren't allowed. All right, well, look, it's, it's interesting, actually, because the Independent are just reporting now, for example, that um, the announcement that's going to be made tonight, part of that announcement of the new roadmap or accelerated roadmap, will be mm. that uh, 100 people can now attend a wedding. I know a lot of people are getting Ooh. excited. They've just said it. Yeah, there you go. You just heard it here first. Uh, the Independent are reporting it. it. Don't do it. And also uh, weddings, uh, sadly funerals as well, and indoor gatherings from the 20th of July that they've brought that forward now that up to 100 people can attend those events. So if you're planning to get married, you know, with less than 100 people, 99 people in, in August, it looks like your wedding is probably going to go ahead. So what I'm, I'm thinking not, I'm, here is... I, I'm, I'm waiting on the hairdresser, same with Helena. But, I, but I, yeah, I, but here's the thing, right? Here's, the, here's where the... So, well, Helena's just said me here next week, next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the hairdressers, I think, are going to be next week. Yeah, they're just... It looks like, you know, it'll be the, it's the end of this month, which the, that's actually a week and a half. Yeah, a week and a half, two weeks away. Um, so now, the, here's the thing that I can't understand. So we're talking about schools and the idea that we might not be able to get kids back to school in September. They might have to go back one day or two days, depending on social distancing, right? And you've got 30 kids in a class, in the average primary yeah. school class. And yet we can allow 100 people to go to a wedding, but we can't allow 30 kids to get into a class together. I mean, what yeah. are we thinking? There's no science behind We're just making this up as we go along. What, the guidelines they've given schools, from my understanding, from speaking to colleagues, is we'll be with the kids. Then at lunchtime, adults will have to be staggered around the place, or if in a preschool setting, it has to be the same person with the children in a pod. Like I, I that, know, that's I, nonsense. I, that's not going to work. Like, I, yeah, no, I know. Look, we, we we had we had the spokesperson for the the crashes on there about two weeks ago. And she's just not workable. She, she can't put children into a pod. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Carry on. Forgot, and, and by the way, there's the idea that they're just they're they're rewriting the roadmap now. I'm just getting this information in my ear now as I'm speaking. Mm. And hairdressers and gyms will be allowed to operate from the end of the month. So if a load of people can run around, you know, sweating their brains out in a gym, <laughs> why can't we have kids back in a classroom by September? I just don't get it. Niall, I have to say, I genuinely believe they could have went back in June. Let's be honest. I give, think they should have. Give, give the kids... Who two are weeks, even two weeks back in the class. Weeks, yeah. That would have been something, some sort of it. Because let me tell you, I have two children myself. They've been doing distance learning or whatever, using the laptops. Like, that's not... Like, that, that, that just can't go on. No, like, I, I no. actually don't. And I understand parents. And then if the children that are from deprived backgrounds, there mightn't be internet, there mightn't be devices... Whatever. Nobody thought about this. They just thought it's a great way to be brilliant and keep all the kids off. Like, it's. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right, well, listen, thanks for your help. And, and Linda, I wish you well, by the way. And I believe, I value you just as much as the school teacher during the summer, all right? Thank and, you, Niall. And every other time, too. Thank you very much indeed, Linda. We've got her back, Niall. Thank you. All right, see you, Linda. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And a big shout-out, of course, to all the SNAs in the country who do a wonderful, thankless job, of course, because they are looking after children with special needs and not just teaching them or helping them, to guiding them through their education. Because, of course, we know the teacher is the one that teaches them, but they have to explain it to every child. But they also have to look after all the other social aspects of a child with special needs as well. And dealing with child, children that can be very, very difficult to deal with. And parents know that if they have a child with special needs as well. We have to be honest about that. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.